Welcome back to another episode of Music with Map. I'm Wes. And I'm John. And this is the podcast where we explore all things music. Um, we get to interview all kinds of incredible people working in music in various capacities and just kind of get a sense of what their day-to-day is within the landscape of, of this weird industry that is music. That's right. And so also being able to get a glimpse at the different ways in which people incorporate and utilize music in their day-to-day lives. So we've already spoken to a couple performing musicians Today, we're joined by not only a performing musician, but also someone who instructs music as well. So we are joined today by Daniela. Nice to have you here, Daniela. Nice to be here. Yeah. So um, I kind of gave it away a little bit, but maybe, yeah, in a nutshell, do you want to just sort of tell the folks listening what it is that um, what it is that you do and kind of how music's a, a part of your day-to-day life? Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess the main thing is that I teach high school music. So that's my day-to-day, um, so grades 9 to 12, and I mostly teach strings, but I've also taught band, vocal, and various other subjects. And then at nighttime, I'm a musician. Right. <laughs> so, also playing the strings at yeah, nighttime, right. exactly, yeah. Right. So my main instrument is the violin, but I also play the viola. Actually, they're equal um, now. And uh, yeah, and I just got this new five-string electric violin Whoa. viola which i played what? at the third that was line. five strings yes no way i didn't notice that yeah okay so the it's a lower string so you can emulate the the viola um range exactly the term is yeah yeah so it has the strings of a violin plus the lower string of a viola and then i could play even lower because i was adding octave pedals to it that's so right it so sounds like is, cello sometimes right because this yeah. is one that you're able to plug in yeah and so you were able to um yeah, play with a bunch of different effects. Also, just if you haven't figured this out already, recently Danielle and I played at a show together where I was playing guitar and Danielle was doing the electric violin viola. So, um, yeah, was able to witness firsthand you using some of those effects, which was super cool. Octave pedals, some delays. What else were you using? I was using a harmony pedal. Right. Um, and it had this like pitch bender on it as well. So, right. yeah, it was pretty cool. <laughs> it was very cool. Yeah, we had a... Alex we had a... let me use that one. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> our mutual friend Alex, yeah. right? Yeah, that was super cool. And I really love actually how that is something that, you know, you're able to do. Like having not only a violin, this classic instrument, right? Mm. And, you know, it's always just been... The violin is always just something that someone has played in an acoustic way, but now more recently... Um, you know, it's it's something that people can plug in and look at the amazing outcomes. You can put all these cool effects in. You can play with a rock band and be able to be heard, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like cleanly, it's not like you're trying to play a, an acoustic violin in front of a microphone or something where there would just be like all kinds of feedback or something. So that's super cool. Um, well, let's let's roll back the tape. So we we're playing, you know, this awesome Third Eye Blind cover show. <laughs> oh right, yeah, um, we didn't say that. Was, that's what was yeah, the show. Yeah. yeah, Third Eye Blind cover show. It was epic. Yeah, I, it, I, from what I hear, it, it sounded epic. Um, but I think we did it well. I, I will say that. And the violin, <laughs> the violin viola was a lovely touch to Aww, the to the thanks. rock band that we had. You know, um, always always a great touch uh, strings. Yeah. Um, anyways. Daniela, how and where and why did you get started in music? Like, was it something from childhood that you just kind of picked up and and carried through into your professional life, or or was it like a weird journey? Or like, how did you how did you first sort of get introduced into music, and how did that flow into like working? That is such a good question. Um, I was just a real easy one. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I was like born into a musical family, I guess. So my parents met uh, in university at a music program at Western. 
the music program mm. at Western. And um, so then as I was growing up, I always heard like my dad playing trumpet or my mom playing piano. So it was just like always around. So it was just part of my life from like the day one of me being alive. Right. And, cool. <laughs> and then, but I never really knew I wanted to do it until later. So uh, actually I was a camp counselor in my teen years mm. um that's actually how i know alex right and chris and so i realized i really enjoyed working with kids and then um i thought well if i like want to do something like teaching i'd rather be a music teacher than like a science or a math teacher mm. or something else no offense to science and math right um <laughs> no that's just how it works <laughs> just for yourself you yeah. my that, brain right? i yeah. just yeah i thought i could you know i'd rather have those like special musical experiences with my students and, and have it be kind of like the fun part of their day. Right. Um, so that's why I decided to go into music in mm. my undergrad and then become a music teacher. Cool. And you know what? There's there's science and math involved in music as well, there right? Is. So you can incorporate yeah. that if you want to. Yeah. Um, cool. Okay. So it's sort of just this passion met with this, this idea of sort of what you want to do with it and how you want mm-hmm. to translate that into um, actually like helping someone out. And, and it's cool that you sort of thought of it like, I want this to be a fun part of someone's day, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm sure that you as a, as a teacher, it's nice that you would have that perspective because that is something that would be, I'm sure, picked up on by the students that you're teaching, right? Mm-hmm. And it's fun for them to not have it like this laborious thing, but actually a fun thing which is great because it's good to keep that in mind because music especially when you're learning something it's easy to kind of get lost in the it can be very laborious yeah exactly in the practice and things like that right so that's cool that you keep that perspective yeah um and also while we're since we're flipping back these pages okay okay. here's another (laughs) thing actually that i was curious to know um you so i think of the violin Mm -hmm. viola Mm mm-hmm cello mm-hmm. you know double bass stand-up mm-hmm. bass right yep um and you mentioned that it you're sort of implying that the lines between the violin and the viola are increasingly being blurred is that right with the five string yes right yeah so for for those listening what's the difference between a violin that's and a viola? great question good yeah. question yeah. yeah good question so a violin is smaller and it has the strings G going from bottom to top, G D A E, right in fifths going up, right. And then the viola is slightly larger. Uh, it's still played like a like upright, like a well, like on your neck, like a violin. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but it's it still has the t- the bottom three strings of the violin, so G D A, but it's missing the E string, so it doesn't have the higher string. Uh. And instead, it has the lower string. A fifth below G is C, so right. that the C string is its lowest string. So it plays lower, it sounds richer and deeper, and it plays like the inner harmony kind of parts. Right. Yeah. Is and there different like styles of music that one would gear towards a viola as opposed to a violin for? Or uh I I like to think viola can do anything. <laughs> right. But I guess like it does a lot of classical music. Sure. <laughs> right. Um right. but uh, yeah, actually, like thinking of my experience, I do play a lot of classical music on viola and I play more kind of like rock band music mm. and like fiddle type music on violin. Right. But that doesn't mean you can't play of rock course, and fiddle yeah. on right. viola or like I do also play classical on violin and stuff. Right. Too, so. But that would make sense in the in the context of rock because it's like mm-hmm. you already have a bass player. Mm-hmm. You have a guitar player where mm-hmm. the range would be somewhat similar probably to a viola. Mm-hmm. 
in terms of it, not entirely, but just in terms of the actual, like the audible range and how you're listening to it. So it makes sense that the violin would almost be like the lead guitar. It pops. Yeah. yeah it, Cause it pops. It has yeah. those higher frequencies. It's going to stand out above everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, so that totally makes sense. Now, this is something I've never thought about and mm-hmm. I don't know the answer and it's okay if you don't, but mm-hmm. does that same in, in, in terms of how the strings are on the violin and then to the viola mm-hmm. where it, in terms of like going down just like another fifth mm-hmm. and then dropping the higher string, mm-hmm. does that also continue with the cello? Good question. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> actually, no. So what okay. I, is the relation p- between viola and cello is that viola is an octave higher than cello. Oh. So cello has the same letter names for the strings. So from bottom to top, it would be C, G, D, A. Right. Um, but it those strings on a cello are an octave lower than the viola, and the cello is played like between your legs. Right. So uh, it sounds... So that's why when I put an octave pedal on the viola, it sounds like a cello. Right. So that's why I love that instrument because it's kind of like three in one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so like when I'm playing in bands, like you don't always need violin. Right. (laughs) Like like sometimes it's like a nice touch, but like do you need it on every single song? Not exactly. Right. And so when you don't need that like higher end lead instrument, then I can just sit on like the cello and play whole notes and like string pads and stuff. Right, right. And I suppose alternatively, if you really needed to emulate the really sort of higher register, you could just flip your octave pedal the other way and Mm -hmm. then yeah, yeah, play higher octaves. And I guess a little lower down on the I almost said fretboard. What do you call like on a guitar it's a fretboard? What do you call it on a violin? Uh we don't have frets. Yeah, because yeah, so, exactly. Uh, the board. No. Fingerboard? Fingerboard. Okay, yeah. right, right. Um, the interesting. The board. <laughs> so <laughs> that is amazing. So I can definitely say that that is the thing that I learned today mm. is just in terms of the breakdown of how the I've never thought about that. Now, let's just keep this going. So mm-hmm. then cello to double bass mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is that also just a direct octave lower or no okay <laughs> the plot thickens Good okay question. i like this okay so all of the the ones we talked about so far so violin viola cello they're all tuned in fifths um but then the bass is tuned in fourths whoa yeah and and actually the notes on the bass or the double bass are the exact same bottom notes as the the bottom four strings on a guitar so E, A, D, G going from bottom to top. And so the D string, I always like, this is always tricky for me. Um, the D string on bass reads the same as the D string on cello, which is the middle line in bass clef, Mm. but the bass is a transposing instrument. So it actually sounds an octave lower than it reads. So that D string on the bass, which is the second highest string, is actually an octave lower than the D string on cello. So it's kind Whoa. of a complicated answer. The bass is just really low. But if you play like guitar or electric bass, you can think of the the bottom four strings of a guitar or the same strings as an electric bass are the strings on double bass. It's Interesting. The so the from bottom to top on bass, it's E, A, D, G. Okay. Wow. So and this, also, this is this is music class right here. I know. Yeah, this I'm sorry. Is this is no, like no, this is great. Or something. <laughs> this is this yeah. is amazing. And inadvertently, here we are just being instructed yeah. by a music teacher. Yeah. This is great. And also, what's really advantageous is this is a podcast, so anyone listening can just go back and rewind, rewind. and listen to that as <laughs> many that times. Get that one more time. Get out your piece of paper and a pen yeah. and be like, okay, so but it's in fourths, all right, and then yeah. Well, I, the thing that like stands out to me about what you were just talking about is that clearly it's something that you enjoy and, and like there's there's like a spark in your eye when you just start talking about yeah. like, oh, this is actually like the notes of these instruments and, and things like that. Like 
you know, as a, as a music teacher, like you interact with all kinds of young people just getting into music. Some of them are probably, there's probably some really talented people as well that have been playing since they were kids or whatever. But like, what, what's like, and, and I know this is a very broad question, but like, what are some of your favorite things about teaching young people music? That's a great question. Mm, yeah. Oh, um, because it could be frustrating, I assume. Yes, definitely. Right? <laughs> especially, yeah. especially you mentioned grades nine through twelve. Yeah. yeah. So the the approach to teaching and the vibe of that classroom for like grade nines would mm-hmm. be much different compared to twelve. I can only totally. imagine. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, and that's just uh, another skill set of yours, which I'm sure you've been able to hone over the years of teaching. But anyway, not to. So I kind of yeah. detracted. Sorry. Yeah. So the question is. What are what was the question? What what are some of your favorite things about teaching music, right. especially within the context of interacting with young people? I really like when they feel accomplished about like learn like they just learned something that was really hard for them. Maybe it took them months to learn, and finally they can play it, and they remember back like remember back to when we were learning this, and like we couldn't mm, even play in like right. one note of this, and now you can play the whole thing, and they feel good about that. And I I also see that like when we perform. So, I mean, as a teacher to me, like the process is just as important as performance. So I don't want to like put all the emphasis on like the final product because it's about like teamwork. And Mm -hmm, obviously mm -hmm, I love that as well. mm -hmm, And like mm -hmm. them developing those kind of skills, communication, teamwork, team building skills together as they learn music together. That's really fun in the process. And then when they get to experience sharing that with other people at a concert, I sometimes I think they're surprised how much excitement that brings and and if it's their first time doing it that's what makes me excited so i really like seeing how excited they get with it and that's really rewarding that's that's awesome and i also appreciate that you really don't downplay the importance of the process getting there because Mm -hmm. it's like you know um, I mean, often when we're speaking with people and we're talking about um, song creation, we always mm-hmm. say it's like building a house where mm-hmm. you kind of go from the, the, you know, the you build a solid foundation like drums and bass and then you add stuff on top of that. But the process of learning is the same way. We're like mm-hmm. the performance is, you know, the attic of the house. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't taken the right steps to get up to the attic, then ultimately that house will probably crumble. So while the performance might be the, you know, the attic, the cherry on top, as it were, mm-hmm. Um, it's just so important to focus on those details as, as you get there, like in terms of, you know, proper technique. I also appreciate that you brought up the fact of, um, or the idea of collaboration and working with people because inevitably, especially if you're playing like a classical instrument, like you'll be playing with a bunch of other people. Like that's just such a big part of being a musician, unless you're just doing a solo show. Um, you know, that's just like a big part of being a musician. So that's super cool. And again, I appreciate that you have your perspective is quite a um, all encompassing one, you know. Um, but also I'd be curious to know, like, as you even say that, John, so much of like high school music and like band music like that mm-hmm. is is that collaborative piece because there's so many people mm-hmm. in the room all doing like little parts. Right. And so mm-hmm. like w- how much of your job is, is more like mitigating some of those things as opposed to like actually teaching what the music is doing? But you mean like kind of keeping certain people on track while other yeah, people are doing something yeah, else? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's like every day, all day. Right. <laughs> like, that's it. Eh? It's like you have to know how to deal with thirty things at the same time. Right. So yeah, and thirty things with loud instruments. In exactly. Their hands. Luckily, and like young adolescent energy just yeah. bouncing right? around. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. My oh my gosh, it's so crazy sometimes. Yeah. Luckily, I teach strings. It's not as loud as band. Mm. <laughs> so, right. Right. Like thank goodness. I mean, it's still loud, but. 
yeah like you just have to make sure there's something like i always try and pick music that has something interesting for each part so like oftentimes like i know this by playing the viola like sometimes it can be a boring part like not as exciting as first violin Mm -hmm. um that always gets the melody right so i always want to try and pick music that okay the violas get something interesting the basses get something interesting and i i want to make each section feel important through the music but then so like the music has to make them interested Mm. but then um while we're kind of like oh i'm working on this section or that section sometimes i'll just like be one of those teachers that that says okay like this group of people go to that section of the room this this group like and i just like split them all up and kind of put them with people who i know they're gonna benefit learning from and so i will put like more advanced students with students who are just like beginners Mm. and then um i'll put them in like the hallways and stuff and then i'll walk around and so it's not always just like me at the front and them listening to me because that can get boring right um, <laughs> for sure, for sure. so i always like um trying to make them learn from each other as well so that's one way of like dealing with the fact that there's just so much going on right. at once and like i oh, i can't always be in charge of that all the time right and nor should you right yeah like, in, in that type of setting like mm-hmm. i mean we talk so much about especially with what John and I do, like music is, is this fantastic tool for communication. Right. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes like just that, that you put a stronger, um, musician or not, stronger is not the right word, but just somebody who's a bit more, more experienced, yeah, more experienced. Yeah. yeah. Um, with their instrument with somebody who may- maybe isn't and that just like communicative collaborative piece there is, is mm-hmm. just as big a part of the whole process. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's also just kind of, if you think about, you know, any piece of music for the most part, you know, if you're trying to learn it, part of the process is just breaking it down into the smaller parts. Exactly. And so it's like even having these different subgroups Mm -hmm. and even the way that like different students would play off of each other is kind of just how music organically is anyway. Right. Right. It's like a reflection of sort of Mm. the piece that you're playing, you know, and those different groups of people and what they're doing too. It's all kind of, you know, reiterating the same theme of just like, that's kind of how music is, you know? Um, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I just thought of something as you were saying that too, is that like, yeah, they, they learn different things from different people, which is like the whole point of music. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but also like they feel engaged or like empowered by getting to kind of share with each other their own ideas instead yes. of just listening to the teacher all the time. Yes. So it's like, yeah, I give them some structure and I give them some initial like first steps, but then I want to see where what ideas they have to bring to it. And I think that makes them more engaged with what we're doing yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. and and i would say to just quickly draw upon what we do you know when you have some folks in the room and they're just learning how to create music or they're just doing something for the first time or they just created like a new piece of music whatever it is it's just so awesome for us to just be hanging back and then Mm -hmm. uh, switch headphones be like oh listen to what Mm -hmm. i just did like oh Mm -hmm. you gotta hear what i did and they Mm -hmm. switch and it's just like that same idea we're not even part of that at that point right we're just observing and it's so amazing when people just feel that level of accomplishment and excitement where they they want to share it and they want to mm-hmm. sort of see what other people are doing too and it's like cool when if you're especially if you're ultimately using the same type of tools or you have the same level of instruction but people do different things with it it's also really cool mm-hmm. outcomes mm-hmm.